This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. I am that nerd dad, Joe Williamson, and this is that nerd dad podcast. Huge show today. Huge. <laughs> it's not often that I get to say I'm interviewing a Canadian comedian icon. Spencer Rice, a.k.a. Spenny, from Kenny versus Spenny, is on the show today. Um, he has been a friend of the Cryer Media Network for some time now. I, I finally got up the nerve and said, hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? And he said, of course. Um, super affable uh, gentleman behind the scenes as well as on camera. So this is that chat. In- As promised, everyone, my guest today is Spencer Rice, a.k.a. Spenny. Spenny, thanks for coming on the show. You're very welcome, Joe. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's uh, it's not every day that I get to interact with someone that, I, you hear this a lot, I grew up watching. Yes, I do hear that a lot, and uh, it's, it's nice. Is it a good feeling? Well, you know, yes. I mean, you know, I, the show was uh, successful. Uh, it got uh, a lot of people through a lot of heavy stuff. We hear a lot about that uh, when we meet people on the streets and meet and greets. Everything from feeling like they wanted to kill themselves to uh, military people that were in Afghanistan and they were watching the DVDs, which made them feel, uh, you know, less stressed uh, because they were laughing and it reminded them of where they're from, Canada. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's been really a blessing for me, uh, and to think of it any other way would be, uh, you know, uh, not uh, genuine. But you know, the other side of it is, is I am Spenny of the Kenny and Spenny, and that comes with a certain amount of baggage. But I'm a big boy, and I made the decision to do the show, and uh, I can deal with people. Well, I was going to say on the other side of the coin, does it get? You're not going to say it gets obnoxious, but you might say it. Does it get obnoxious because you're yeah. such a recognizable character and the um, well the role yes. that you played on the show? It, it's not as bad as uh, as you might would as you would think. Uh, so many of the uh, quote unquote Spenny haters are uh, chal- really channeling Kenny, right? So they see me as a a target uh, with which they can unload whatever they have on me, which is totally fine. I couldn't care less, uh, but fundamentally because I'm still happy with what I did on the show, uh, how I was funny on the show. So I don't really have an issue about that. Uh, there has been some uh, things that cross the line, uh, both with my political stuff and with Kenny versus Spenny, but very few things, uh, you know, uh, like once in public. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. No, once, right. I was, once I was in public and uh, I was actually at a Nickelback uh, CD release party and it was absolutely jam-packed in Toronto and... Uh, 
uh, some guy recognized me and he was wasted and he started screaming that I was a faggot and the loser and he wouldn't shut up uh, to the point where I almost had uh, the Nickelback bouncers uh, take care of him, uh, at least kick him out of the place. But I decided not to do that. And um, the oddest thing of all about that experience was um, when I finally decided to leave uh, and it wasn't because of him, but I, I, I was ready to go. I'm not a person that likes social situations, but I went because I, I know the guys in Nickelback and they invited me. Anyways, um, I, I started to leave and that same guy screamed out at the top of his lungs, he's a millionaire, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, and I still think about it to this day, but um yeah, I mean, you know, there's a few times people yell stuff on the streets, but, you know, most of people get that it's a comedy show uh, that's based in a kind of reality. And, uh, you know, I, I've never uh, uh, not accepted the fact that Kenny is sort of more popular, more charming, uh, more in the zeitgeist of today's world than I am. Uh, and that's fine. The idea of people crossing the line, um, you know, you've got the you got a mitt full of kids. You got a, a couple that you're that are uh, quite young. Yeah. And has anyone, when you're with your children, kind of broached no. that line where you're like, okay, no. that's enough. That's no, enough, no, bud. no, no. Uh, that's never happened. And again, I go back to the channeling Kenny thing. Uh, okay. These aren't real douchebags. Uh, they're just pretending to be a douchebag uh, sometimes. Now, it gets a little more complicated when we talk about the live show that we've been touring for seven odd years now. Uh, you know, obviously different iterations of uh, of the show of the live show. We you know we got to change it up every so often. Uh, there, uh, there's some hostility from the audience. Probably again, uh, you know, not uh, toxic per se, uh, but I feed off of that because I'm a bit of a grump and. Uh, you know, you look at the series and you look at the sort of hero worshiping of Kenny and kind of what he represents, though I love the guy dearly. Um, it's very easy for me to get angry at the fact that his pathetic jokes and his pathetic humor is really what the fans love. So uh, I internalize that and then it comes out as hostility towards the audience, which is fun. You know, it, it, it's fun for me because uh, I don't give a shit about anything really about that stuff. I've always just been myself, uh, you know, if I come up against it, I deal with it. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, the crybaby people think I am. And it's it's funny content as well. Me, uh, me being a comedian on stage, telling everybody that my partner's not funny. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, but that's, you know, that's the real, that's the real deal. That's what I feel. Um, and, uh, you know, I go through a list of, you know, when you meet me in the VIP line, what you can do, what you can do, that kind of stuff. And it, it, you know, it plays funny as far as I'm concerned. It's almost, um, like a pretty boy in heel relationship between you and I Ken. call it, Ken. I call it, uh, what I'm doing is, is now the reverse heel. So yeah. Uh, Absolutely, and it goes it goes to sort of what happened in wrestling. If you've ever seen uh, that uh, documentary with Bret Hart, when you know he was a hero, a babyface, and then uh, the Attitude Era came in, and the, and all of a sudden the heels became kind of the audience favorites. Steve Austin, right? 
and yeah. absolutely and, and uh vince mcmahon the list goes on but uh you know i i i, I really ha- have to be myself i mean that's just the you know the the rule that I make for myself comedically and, and ethically that I'm just going to be myself. Sometimes I'll step in it. Sometimes I'll make a fool of myself. I don't care. But at least I know how to be myself and it's real. And that's really important to what Kenny and I did and do uh, with the live show is is to, to find the reality in our relationship, find the reality with our relationship to the audience, with each other. And, uh, you know, it's it's just how I operate. Anything you regret doing? No, not really. I mean, there was, we both didn't like doing the show, which is what I think separated us from Jackass, right? Who seems to revel in it. I I was listening to Howard Stern the other day and he had on a guy, I can't think of his name. He's got a big Afro. He's got a TV show on Adult Swim. Andre something, uh, Eric Andre. Andre? Yeah, Eric Andre. Yeah. Eric Andre, yeah. yeah, And he talks about what it's like to hang with uh, Johnny Knoxville and it's just, I watched that episode. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know that that would be the last person I would want to go out with. To be honest with you, uh, he talked about him lighting his foot on fire in a bar and stuff like that. Um, and that therein lies the difference between I think Kenny versus Benny and and uh, other shows that do quote unquote gross stunts and stuff like that. Uh, we didn't like to do it. We and we and it was real. It wasn't put on. Um, but uh, I don't really regret any of it to be honest with you i'm you know uh who was it tom petty talked about if you're able to do what you love to do and earn a living uh you're a lucky guy and i feel that way you know and i really do uh and that you know a lot of the yelling and complaining and bitching that i do is just that world that i inhabit you know which is an an artistic kind of bent but it's it's all coming from a real place the idea of owning it um, as I said, you're, you're a parent. Um, the, the two little ones maybe aren't old enough to find you on YouTube just yet. Oh, one is. Are, are, have you mentally prepared for that conversation as to have, cause some of the stuff is extreme for those who maybe are unfamiliar with it. Some of the stuff is kind of extreme. Yeah. In a comedic sense, I guess it's of course. really dumb when you think about it. <laughs> uh, which is uh look i my my youngest daughter that i live with is uh got autism so she's uh not really searching that kind of stuff out uh and she's eight years old my 10 year old daughter you know she sees people walk up to me and recognize me and you can't help sadly uh that that this generation of of kids who grew up uh, with instagram and all this stuff are, are really uh excited about fame of any kind uh, I try to teach her that it's not, I'm not famous because I want to be famous. I'm, if I'm famous at all, but well known to a certain extent because of what I do and what I'm able to do. And that's taken years of practice and, you know, some kind of discipline with music and with comedy, uh, and failing a lot and, you know, figuring things out. Uh, that's, that's a tough reach I find for kids today who, you know, I grew up, there was no internet. Never mind social media. So um, I'm old. I'm 60 years old. I just turned 60. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, I don't think she's seen any of the, the really racy stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if she has because uh, it was all on it on YouTube for a long time. Now it's on Kenny's Patreon and the stuff that YouTube allows is on YouTube. So 
uh, that's already going to be not the crazy episodes. And that would be where she, uh, uh, unless she's paying for Kenny's Patreon, and then I will ground her for the rest of the life. <laughs> I I watched an episode um, before the interview. I watched an interview, or or I watched um, the "Who Can Commit Most Crimes" episode. Just I kind of randomly picked one, just to kind of refresh my memory a bit. Um, And even that, I was kind of like, I think talking to my child afterwards and being like, "Here's why I did it. Here's the comedic effect of it." Because okay, you can call it dumb or whatever you want to call it, but there's nuances to that level of humor. Um, that it's the reason why people watched it, right? It's not because it was just dumb. It's there was nuance. When I say dumb, Joe, I'm talking about the concept of two guys competing in idiotic competitions. Let's be honest. Uh, that part of it's dumb, but if you care to scratch below the surface, there's a lot of things going on about male egos, about personality differences, about ethics, stuff like that. Uh, I don't take it overly seriously uh, in that sense. But, uh, you know, my daughter's uh, quite intelligent. She's got a great sense of humor for a 10-year-old. Um, I'm not going to go show her some of the racier shows. If she seeks them out and talks to me about it, I'll just explain to her that, uh, you know, this is what what the show was. This We came at a time when there was jackass and there was fecal humor and all kinds of stuff going on with South Park. And, uh, you know, we were in a sense, in competition with those people. And we had to do it. And it's pretty much Kenny's sense of humor anyways. So, uh, you know, and he's the driving force in the humor in the show. I'm sort of the straight man, I guess you'd call me, uh, who would do what any sort of normal person would do in a crazy yep. competition. So um, I think she she gets it. And I, she's more blown away by the fact that people know who I am when we go to a mall or whatever that that blows her mind you can see it in her eyes like oh my god you're her hero you're her I, hero I, I don't know about that mom might be the hero <laughs> i i'm uh, okay <laughs> i've uh you know i i, I wish that um uh, they tra- treated me as well as some of the fans do <laughs> let's just put it that way but that's marriage and life and that's what a is. lot of it's humor you got my dad's body. making an appearance in the show you got hi dad okay. hey <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my parents' basement. My mom broke her hip, so I hang out here and do do my show and oh, work from here. Okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned South Park. Um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker were executive producers for a, a minute, ten episodes. Uh, yeah, did we you were on Comedy Central season? Four. Yeah, we were actually on Canadian television and uh, U.S. television. And oddly enough, uh, the we had much more trouble with the censorship with the American version than the Canadian version. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Did they help? Like, did you get to, did you interact with them a lot? I know well, it says executive no, or was it just like a cursory title? No, Kenny, Kenny. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't a cursory title. Basically, in a nutshell, uh, they loved the show, Matt and Trey and the other writers on the show. And when they we heard that when they had writer's block, they'd put our show on. I mean, 
Johnny Knoxville liked the show at one point. Steve O liked the show. So a lot of people liked the show. Uh, we were on the peer to peer networks and people were up there with the big, you know, the big American shows, which was kind of cool. Um, uh, I, I probably had two or three meetings with Matt, uh, because, uh, unlike me, I don't really get nervous about shit. You know, I just take things as they come. I think Kenny saw the opportunity of being on Comedy Central with Matt and Trey, and he tends to worry more than I do. So I think he was worried that I would blow it. So he had Matt sort of, at one point he had a spy from Comedy Central. Uh, not, yeah, I guess he was a spy, but he would come out with us and he was completely useless. Nice guy though. But uh, anyways, I, I, no one's going to tell me how to be Spenny on Kenny versus Spenny. I can tell you that. Um, and I don't feel the need to be as funny as Kenny did. I, I actually sometimes felt bad for him because so much of that pressure fell to him, uh, where I was more funny in a, you know, in a, he's an idiot sort of sense and he takes it too seriously. You know, Kenny invented characters and he had certainly more pressure than I did, which is. You got to be the moral compass of the show. You could just react. And that in and of itself was the humor. Yes. I mean, everybody says, you know, they think the show was fake because how could you not know Kenny was, wasn't cheating? I, I always knew he was cheating. I, I, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny was that kind of guy in our childhood when we were friends. We grew up together. Uh, what I didn't know was how he was going to cheat, and he was quite creative at doing that. But the other side of it was I couldn't worry all the time about what he was going to do. I think that would have hurt the show. Uh, I had to go ahead and try to do what I did in spite of the way he 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 uh, he cheated and, and you know look sometimes he outsmarted me I have no problem admitting that he's a very devious thinker uh, sometimes he just completely cheated and didn't do the competition uh, you know the list goes on and when you uh, and it's pathetic that I'm even thinking about this but if you tabulate the win loss ratio where his complete and utter obvious cheats uh, are uh, counted as a win for me he still wins the series but not by much. Uh, but then you start to feel silly when you're, you know, Kenny still to this day will say, uh, I should have done this. And I won the who can make more money because I didn't realize at the time that uh, squeegeeing was illegal. And that shouldn't have been like, you know, the guy's pushing, you know, uh, 55 years old or whatever he is. And he's still grumpy about these stupid competitions. It's so pathetic. But that's part of the charm of what we do. Any uh, any talk, any movement on a revival? Because well, surely I, there's a bit of a demand. Yeah, but you know, our our success uh, is is a little culty, I would say. Uh, okay. We're also, uh, I think, considered dangerous in terms of the kind of content because we, you know, what basically happened was, uh, you know, uh, really until we got into showcase, we didn't really have a lot of people looking over our shoulder of what we were doing. Um, and even when we did, it wasn't onerous like it was in the U.S., for example. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, it's uh, I forgot what I was saying. But anyhow, uh, what was the question? <laughs> Is there I, any, any... I had a bit of a, a drink last night, uh, so I'm a bit hungover. Go ahead. No, you're doing great. Uh, is there any uh, aspect for a revival. Oh yeah. Revival. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. Although, uh, we've both thought that, you know, if we wait till we're in our late sixties and seventies and then do what, like the final competition, that would be funny as shit. You know, just seeing two old men <laughs> doing that kind of stuff would be, cool. that'd be amazing. But, but, you know, uh, 
I think Netflix was afraid of us. We did pitch them uh, for it wasn't a, a reboot of Kenny versus Benny. It was a, a kind of a new reality show with us where we explored our relationship more. The, 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 and then there wasn't a competition that sort of was the narrative that went through the episode. Uh, and I, I, I don't I think we're difficult to get your head around from an executive perspective, even with with the show, uh, you know, the success of, of the Kenny versus Benny. So. Nothing would surprise me either way. What happens is these executives turn over a lot in these companies and, and big media companies. And, you know, it's just a matter of time before there's a, a Kenny versus Spenny fanatic who's running a network or, or running development or whatever. You know, you just don't know. But if you're asking me, I don't see it happening in the near future. It's uh, you, you need someone to get in there who has a nostalgia. For Kenny versus maybe, Spenny. maybe. Although I think uh, the show is just funny, uh, period. And uh, we obviously have comedy chops, uh, a different kind for each of us. But um, Kenny and I can't believe it that they're not beating down our door to do it. But uh, then you got the cancel culture and all that stuff, which you know it doesn't affect me as much as it affects Kenny's humor. And neither of us uh, want to uh, change the basic truth of our personalities to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, you know, be safe and, and and try to get back on TV. Uh, you know, I would I would more likely sell out than Kenny just because uh, I like money and and uh, I'm not shy about that. Uh, I don't keep that a secret. But um, and plus, I don't engage in the kind of uh, humor that he does. Uh, but thank God for his humor because people really like it. And uh, you know, it, it's an odd thing where he's your best friend. You love him. But when it's very similar to that cartoon with the sheepdog and the, uh, oh, what was it, uh, where they go to work every morning and the sheepdog and the wolf. no, it was the coyote, uh, the coyote, the coyote, yeah. yeah. And they they say, hey, morning, Ralph, morning, Sam, <laughs> and then uh, they click in the clock and boom, they're enemies. You know that that's very similar to sort of what what our life is like, even on the road uh, doing live shows. You kind of touched upon the idea that Kenny versus Spenny may not play in today's kind of cancel culture. Um, and yet, when I see you online on Twitter, mm -hmm. <laughs> you are prepared to go to war with people on Twitter. And just the idiotic um, takes that people have. Why? And I know, I, look, I, I know Lachlan Cross on Cryer Media has kind of said, why do you do it? Why do you engage? Yeah. Um, he never said that to me personally, but I've heard him say that generally. Um, <laughs> I, I And Ryan Lindley, who was uh, with Cryer, who has Getting Sauce show, another one who, I, I, it's just a personality thing, to be honest. There's two things about it. One is I find it fun because I'm a, okay. I'm a writer and I, 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 I uh, you know, if I sense that the person I'm talking to is a complete brick wall of mega bullshit or whatever it is, uh, I'll block them. And then they'll say, Spenny blocks people. He's not into freedom of speech. And we can get into a whole freedom of speech discussion because I was once a diehard freedom of speecher. Uh, Noam Chomsky uh, was one of the people that I admired growing up. And he he was, a, and even he's changed a bit uh, on on that. And that's because the technology has changed. The disinformation and misinformation is now the norm, uh, let's be honest. Uh, and uh, so the whole landscape has completely changed. Uh, so I like making funny, stupid tweets. I just found one actually today. I sent it to Dean Blundell. It was a couple of years ago. But anyways, um, 
the fun stuff I like, but the, the political stuff is just who I am. I, I used to come home from uh, school when I was a kid and watch the Watergate hearings. I don't know why, uh, you know, and I was right wing. Uh, you know, I've said this many times uh, to people when I'm talking, discussing this stuff with them. And uh, I, I'm not that way anymore. I grew out of it. I, I realized the shortcomings of it ethically, morally and uh, society wise, I guess. Uh, but, uh, I don't hate the right. I just, you know, there's the loudest element of the right is this far right MAGA bullshit. And you can see it here in Alberta, you know, as well. Uh, I'm a centrist probably if you went down the line and not because I want to be a centrist, but because I think that's fair, you know, I, I, not everyone can think the same way. And, you know, there has to be some kind of compromise, uh, fiscal responsibility was, one of the great things conservatism brought to the table, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. But now it's the culture war with Ron DeSantis. That drives me fucking crazy and it makes me angry. And uh, what, what is social media for? <laughs> it's, you know, it's so I can talk about shit and, 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 and be me. I mean, I had some horrible experiences during the COVID, uh, you know, uh, people saying, you know, the paranoid delusions about uh, COVID uh, and, uh, to me, it was, uh, botched. I'm anti-mandate. I'm, uh, I don't think you should be forced or coerced into getting a vaccine. Initially, I wasn't that way, but having thought about it a lot, I think there's a lot of things wrong with it. However, I don't think it was ill-intentioned, you know, and what those people say, uh, is, you know, that it becomes this whole paranoid, the WEF, and we're going to be eating bugs. And it's just, you know, and, and, you know, they could be right. I think there's a 3% chance they could be right. I just don't see it. And I'm not going to, you know, not say if I think something is 97% uh, truth, I'm going to say the truth, you know, uh, I'll give them slightly a benefit of the doubt. But, you know, let's be honest, this uh, uh, politics has become with social media kind of like sports, right? It's like, you're cheering for your team there, the, the sense of togetherness or we're in this together seems to, seems to be gone but i've never really understood uh, whether twitter which is where i you do most of my social media is an actual reflection of reality i i don't know you know it's hard to tell yeah. especially with all of the the bots and the deliberate campaigns yes. that are obviously there to irritate you because the algorithm is meant to make you upset because you're more likely to engage right. and more likely to stay right. Is that real or is that what the algorithm has said he needs to see this? Well, it, it, there must be some truth to it because, you know, uh, the, the MAGA movement is a real movement with millions of people in it. Uh, I'm more worried about DeSantis. I mean, th that's not a unique view. A lot of people are. Uh, I, I hope he gets crushed in the election uh, if he becomes the nominee. He probably won't. But he'll be there next time around. Trump will be too old. So looking ahead. Uh yeah, you know, I don't know what the reality is. And, and to a certain extent, I'm a victim of it. I, I, I'm a very emotional person. Uh, I've thought many times about getting off of social media, but because what I do for a living, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I, I just suck it up and uh, whatever mood I'm in, I do what I want to do on, on social media. And if I want to engage with someone or, or say I think something's awful, I, I say it. The hat above your shoulder. It's red with white lettering. What is it? Oh, there's a hat. Oh yeah. Uh, make <laughs> sex great again. 
Is it really? Yeah, that, that was from, uh, anyways, that was, uh, I did a show called Sex with Spenny. I had a YouTube channel, which was canceled by uh, YouTube. Uh, and, Wonder why. Uh, I, two possible reasons. One, the show. All of a sudden, I lost him as he was explaining that. Am I back? You're back. Okay, so the, I had a show on my YouTube channel called Sex with Spenny, which was a comedic take on the sex advice show. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, remember uh, Sue? You're Canadian, right? Sue Grafton. Yeah. No, is it Grafton? No, Sue uh, Johansson, I believe. Johansson. Yeah. Um, yep. And she, uh, uh, so that I wore that hat and a white the lab coat, which is hanging over there. Uh, but I also did a series uh, after Kenny versus Spenny for Super Channel called X Rated, which was a uh, eight episode reality show about a guy trying to break a sex world record. I was in it a bit, but I directed it and was the showrunner. Um, and uh, I had all the episodes, the ones that I edited with my, at the time, my partner, Jimmy. And uh, uh, of course, they, they rejected our edits because it was too dirty or whatever. But I, I, I retained those. So I put them up on my YouTube channel. And that had, I would say, uh, quasi porn in it. So, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I don't gripe about it, you know, it, I can't stand people that make issues out of that. It's a company. They have their terms and services. The same with Elon. I can't stand what he's done to Twitter, but it's his to do with it what he wants to do. He's the owner of the company. I don't bitch about that shit. I, it just, you know, if there's uh, some kind of new law that, uh, that that's going to somehow rein in, I my understanding is that uh, somewhere in Europe, they're they're getting rid of Twitter because of the disinformation and the lack of control over it. But you know, it is what it is. It works both ways, right? When, you know, the right was always complaining uh, with the old guard at Twitter that it wasn't fair to them. Uh, you know, I, I, I have to be consistent. I mean, I think being consistent is a, a form of uh, intelligence and a form of uh, decency, frankly, you know. What I hear, in, in, and I'm hearing this from you, is it's okay to admit you don't know everything. Oh, my God, and yeah. there's there's not a, there, that's gone away though. That's gone of the, the way of the dodo. You have to either know something and have an opinion on everything. Well, an opinion, and if you say, I need to research an, it. An opinion is different than knowledge. For example, with all this stuff about COVID, I cannot tell you what the truth is because of all the information uh, out there. You know, is it possible that there's one human being that really does know that says, this is what happened? This is the vaccine isn't going to kill you. It is going to kill you. Uh, it did work. It didn't work. You can't even get uh, the we're so flooded with information now that you can't even get uh, as something as important as a global pandemic that killed millions of people. Uh, and I'm somewhat zoned in and I'm certainly not an expert and I have no problem saying that. But do you know? No, of course not. But even if they, even if someone came out, and I mean, look, Dr. Fauci during the height of the pandemic was about as accurate as I think we can get. But even if someone came out, if Jesus Christ himself came down and said, this is what happened, 50% right. of the population would be like, Psh, the guy doesn't know what well, he's talking but about. But the reason, the reasonable people who let the yes. facts will accept it. And I want to be, I want to think of myself as a reasonable person. I have no problem. Like I said, you know, if it turns out that it was just a, they did us dirty and uh, uh, the, the, the drug companies made billions of dollars and, and our health could be compromised because of this shit. And it was ill intended. I'm the first guy that would say, Jesus Christ, was I wrong? 
Uh, I thought it was a 97% chance that it was just an innocent mistake. I, I don't have a horse in the race. I just want to know, you know, and some things are unknowable, let's be honest. But this kind of thing seems like it should be knowable. And by the way, Fauci, you know, Fauci has been, you know, demonized by that, by the other side, you know, to the point where I don't even know. It, you know, it, you hear all this stuff about these experiments that he did and that he 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 had some kind of I'm not saying this is true, by the way. I, that's the problem that he had. some. <laughs> the misinformation campaign has worked on spending. Yes. Well, partially, <laughs> yeah. you know, partially. Like, if you don't know, you don't know. You can't say that, you know, if you don't know, that's not that's intellectually dishonest as far as I'm concerned. Spencer Rice, a.k.a. Spenny, thank you so much for your time today, my friend. Right. I really appreciate All it. All right, buddy. Thank you. My thanks again to Spencer Rice, a.k.a. Spenny. Uh, this was a big thrill of mine. I have been tempted to try and approach Spenny for some time now um, and finally got up the nerve. So I, I maybe a little starstruck still. want to thank you for tuning in as well. We have been on a bit of a heater, a heater, as the kids say, with regards to interviews. And they keep coming. I've got more interviews lined up. Uh, so stay tuned. Well, I, I I hesitate to say the next guest because you never know. Cancellations happen, occur. I, you know, sub in guests. Just know I've got four or five guests lined up who have all committed. And we're going to keep running this streak up. Interviews for days. Thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, be well. Be safe. And for listening. Damn. Do, did, will, the story of people podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.